All right, everybody, I'm sitting here, uh, and it's been a while since we've done one of these uh, trending. We've, tr- we've struggled to find things to trend. Uh, it's been a while since I've done a straight-up sit-down, and let's do a trending uh, episode. And so I went back to, we're going to do a friending uh, fritter episode, a friending fr- fretlist episode. And we're going to use an old fish set list, not super old, from uh, the beginning of their bacon, Baker's Dozen run uh, in July of last year. Yeah, we'll use the uh, set list from their first Baker's Dozen show, which I'll explain in a second, uh, from uh, July 21st, 2017. And we'll use that for the trends, since that's a little bit, it's still not perfect, you know, it's got song titles in there, but... Uh, yeah, Fish uh, did uh, in July and August of 2017, they did 13, not back-to-back shows, but over uh, a little bit of a, almost back-to-back-to-back, I think over two or three weeks, uh, well, I guess it would have had to been over three weeks, um, they did 13 shows with uh, 13 concerts, uh, Fish is a band, uh, uh, and uh, they did uh, 13 concerts, they didn't repeat a song over those 13 shows. Uh, but even if you're not a fan, uh, this will just be the uh, the, the set list. Uh, uh, so, yeah, was, but then I was thinking of uh, what would I do, what would we do a set list? Like, what's the latest story that's been on my mind? And I said, Scooch, remember when uh, there was, a, didn't you have a character, uh, the, the bunny that wanted to be a mermaid? And I've been thinking about the popularity of people that have rabbits and bunnies as pets. Uh, and I was thinking of this other story, uh, and I think it was the bunny that wanted to be a mermaid. And I, I don't know if that episode came out in, like, 2014. I don't even really re- I remember it was a bunny that wanted to be a mermaid, maybe a fan of The Little Mermaid. Uh, but this was a, a, one where uh, there's another character... Uh, the daddy is a, is a friend that lives in, in people's houses, uh, with legs that are long and it's a daddy. Now that, that actually character went to live with an owl within the owl. It started to live within the owl, uh, in the big farm in the sky. And this owl just happened to be named Danny with an eye. And this is a story I've been waiting to tell. It's the owl named Danny. In the, the afternoon, the owl named Danny and the uh, bunny that wanted to be a mermaid watched a TV. And uh, it was Danny and Bunny. And uh, they, they said uh, it was their family. Like, the, the owl, uh, I think, I don't know if the, I think the owl just lived there in, in, in the house. It, it, it my memory, you know, it's not perfect. But uh, what was the owl's name again? I already forgot. Danny was the owl's name. Of course, and Bunny, that makes it hard to remember those scoots. Well, we'll, we'll get through it. Uh, uh, but they had, uh, they, they were living in this house. No one knew the owl lived there. You know, the owl was a resident, in the, you know, in the rafters and the eaves. Uh, but, you know, it was a co, co uh, the, the owl, you know, did a good job. It just it also appreciated the people when they lied in bed, they loved hearing the owls who at night. And this owl just happened to be uh, diurnal, I think it was one, uh, maybe it was nocturnal. Is diurnal means both times, right? 
I don't know. This owl was nice uh, and social. It was a so, it was one of the few social owls uh, that I know about because I don't know a lot of owls. You know, I know butterfly. You know, I know other characters. And so this bunny and the owl struck up a friendship over time. Uh, but you know, the owl was usually sleeping. I guess that was my point. But then the bunny, as the bunny um, reached, the bunny started it was also a little bit nocturnal. That's what it was. That's how they struck up their friendship. It was uh, in the in the deep dark night, uh, and usually they'd be quiet because all the humans were around, and they were both conscientious, so they would kind of keep their conversations to body language only, or whatever. But then uh, the family went on a, a vacation, and they left the bunny. Now they had someone coming by to take care of the bunny uh, twice a day. Uh, but it, over time, the bunny and, and Danny, the owl, they, they got to know each other, but uh, not super well. And so then, and like one of their favorite things to do was to watch the humans, uh, whether they were awake or asleep, or they would replay what they had seen. Uh, like I think they really viewed humans like is uh, a form of enter- passive entertainment, like watching humans. I mean, sometimes the bunny uh, would get played with. I think of, you know, people playing with the rabbits on, like, Constance. I, I know a couple of people here that have rabbits. So, they, but, uh, so, they would, like, fill each other in at night sometimes and be like, they were jumping in the leaf. They would rake the leaves together. The owl would say this, uh, and they would just talk about it. And then they, they would, like, they'd say, well, did you see the face that kid was making? It was, the kid was saying, uh, chim chimini chim chimini chim chim cheree over and over again while they were sleeping. Uh, or then the bunny stood, the owl said, well, that's interesting. And then the bunny started telling the owl about movies and TV. I don't know if you've ever seen an owl flying around on the inside of a house, uh, but uh, even for it's not easy for an owl, even when there's no humans home. So usually, you know, if the humans were gone, they didn't really know how long they would be gone for. So the owl wasn't like hanging in the living room where the bunny could. Uh, but then the bunny started telling, so the, like the, the, the owl, I think you know where I'm going. The bunny started telling Danny about TV and movies and how you could watch even more. You could almost watch humans whenever you wanted and the stuff they do and the non-human, you know, anthropomorphized uh, other things that, you know, humans, you know, they like their own likeness. Uh, now, what they didn't realize at first, uh, which was good for them, was that, uh, the ca- the cable was shut off. These people had uh, stopped using. They, they were using antenna TV and a combination of streaming services, uh, like your good old friend Scoots. And so uh, the let's see, there, it was like a bit of a to do. I don't want to take up too much time, but you know they did have to figure out between the two of them uh, getting the TV on. Now the bunny had watched enough to kind of have a general idea. Uh, you know, even more than most house guests. Because, you know, when someone comes over to your house and, uh, I mean, a lot of people still have, actually, I don't know if I've ever been anywhere where it's straightforward how to turn the friggin' TV on. It's always, uh, and they've gotten better. Like, the remote I have is unbelievable. But as soon as I moved, uh, I changed some setting on it. So now I can't, but, uh, so it's even hard for me to explain uh, but so I, I think that's a pretty universal experience. You go somewhere and there's like four remotes, uh, 
especially if it's like an Airbnb. At least an Airbnb, you feel comfortable lifting, just pressing all the buttons on all the remotes until it works. But even in a hotel room, which only has one remote and a TV and no other systems, uh, you see, usually a pres- here's a couple of things that come up for me, not to change the subject from this great, amazing story. Uh, but you press the power button and it doesn't go out. And so then you say, well, do the batteries work? Then you might press the TV button or the cable button. And then you might move, you, you do the thumb roll with the batteries. Then you take the batteries out. You say, oh, the batteries worked. It was just the wrong button. Or you say, am I the only one that checks into a hotel room and the battery, like, the ba- like is that it just happened to me or is that my imagination? Like when he's checking in, they say, okay, uh, let me just check. They say, Mr. Ackerman, let me just check in back first with the manager. And they say, hey, Jerry, you got any, how many rooms we got by, how many rooms did you give out the room by the ice machine in the elevator? It, the one with the dead batteries? Nope, we still got it. We got it safe for, uh, well, Mr. Ackerman's here. Put him in that room. The one with the, the, well, we have two, actually. The one with the vibrate, the one with the loose metal on the uh, ice machine. Give him that one. Oh, is that the same room we gave the two doors down to those kids that are, uh, that uh, the parents don't, uh, like, keep them cool? Yep, that's the one. Mr. Ackerman, great news. Your room's ready. Oh, great, terrific. I can't wait to get up there and take my shoes off. Uh, Okay, that's that. There you go. So that's a little behind the scenes. Day in the life of Scoots. Uh, but so these two, they figured out how to turn the TV on. You know, with, you know, you've seen Thumper, and so if you can thump, you can also press. Uh, and the owl has a beak and very hyper intelligent. Uh, and then the owl, of course, got the middle, like the middle seat on the couch. And the bunny was like, okay, this is how we do it. We press that button, it goes on, you got to wait a second. Uh, and then you just keep pressing up and down. And then sometimes you stop and watch something. That's how they do it. Uh, unless they had something else in mind. So they started switching through the channels. Now, this was through the digital antenna. And they happen to live, like, I don't want to give out their location but they happen to live in a very, they were really lucky. They lived, I don't know if it was near Chicago or Buffalo or Detroit or uh, maybe Seattle. I don't know. No, Seattle probably not. But uh, they happen to live somewhere where not only was there a great United States urban coverage, but there was also Canadian coverage. So their digital lineup was just stacked, and and uh, I don't exactly sure what channel they started on, but it started with a game show. And the owl said, "Who who who's this?" And uh, they said, "Eartha Eartha Katara." Is he? I'm here. Welcome to another episode of Shake Your Coconuts. Uh, the only game show uh, that where you shake coconuts, uh, and, and uh, we mean actual coconuts. And Hal said, what do they do? What, is this a contest where they just shake coconuts? Uh, and the bunny said, no, no, no. What they do, and they, they watched it. I guess the bunny was a bit of a narrator. It said they shake coconuts while doing other things. Otherwise, it would be terribly boring. Yeah. Uh, 
So they have to shake the coconuts. The coconuts, they have actually, believe it or not, it's low-tech. They're actual real coconuts. Uh, but there is a, a tiny microphone in, in a motion detector inside the coconut to make sure the coconut water is always swishing. And uh, that's what Eartha said. You know, if you don't shake it, uh, bing, uh, the coconut, you know, the coconut, there's a big red sign of a frowning coconut with, uh, like, steam coming off its head. And they said, you can't let the coconut juice go sour. And then the crowd would say, don't let the coconut juice go sour. So keep shaking. So they have different stages. You know, they have a quiz stage. Uh, it just like uh, Trivial Warfare. That's what my buddy Jonathan said. Uh, he, he has a podcast called Trivial Warfare. And they do a trivia thing, and you'd be surprised, like, how hard it is. And actually, they add in, of course, one. you start with one coconut. Uh, then in the double coconut round, you have two. Then in the triple points round, you have three. And then in the, the, the quadruple points round, you have four. And, you know, the, it's one of those things where a person can gain a pretty good lead because if you, if you get buzzed out each round, now each round you can't get buzzed out for all four rounds, and each round is progressively shorter. Uh, Rob has a podcast. They do. A, they used to do a Shake Your Coconuts recap of, of the show, but I think once Shake Your Coconuts went off the air, it was only on the air for like uh, four weeks or something. Uh, but it, it's Bunny and, 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 and Danny just happened to catch it. So that was the quiz portion. You'd be shaking, and then you'd try to answer questions. And uh, your questions actually would get progressively, I think in the second round, they were the hardest. Uh, so it would go medium questions or really hard questions. And then the third round, it was also interesting, like, where are you going to put that third coconut? Between your knees, you'd have to jump up and down. Or your thighs, which you also have to hold the coconuts. Uh, armpit is a good the spoiler. Well, the show's not on the air anymore. Armpit's a good one. You have to do side-to-side -side motion, which if it's a visual clue or something, makes it a little bit harder. You can try to hold all three. And also, they de definitely measure your hands. So they make sure no matter what hand size you have, uh, they try to make sure that the co coconuts are of a fair diameter. And so that was a, like, so that's the first round. And then there's a balance round uh, where, you know, like a little bit like an episode of, of, of our favorite TV show, Survivor, where you might have to go on a balance beam and you're having to shake a coconut and maybe carry an egg or something. Of course, like, it's like not, this is a, also if, Ellen, if we want to relaunch this and Ellen wants to host it or The Rock, I know they're both pretty busy, but, uh, with their own game shows, but just an idea. Like, uh, I think just with a few tweaks, uh, we could get this show off the ground. So there's you know, different balancing competitions. Uh, then, believe it or not, now this one is where I think why it went off the air, but it's still, I think, a good thing, is there's a talent show competition. Now, one of the things is that uh, with each, I think, uh, like, yeah, this was where the rules were more amorphous. Because uh, it was like, you were supposed to do something involving talent. Uh, and it was supposed to last four minutes. And each minute you'd get an extra coconut uh, to, to have to shake while you were doing your talent show. And the idea was to get through your thing. 
but obviously people would watch the show. I think they they would have been able to be prepared. Or it was just some things like someone would do how to cook something. You know, some people do dancing. But then you get somebody who's like, oh, I play the piano or the violin. Uh, and it, it's a difference. It's very entertaining. But again, it was like a little bit like a gong show moment. And I think it was meant to be. Like, maybe they should have used that in, a, like, an initial, like, maybe they should have gone for, what's that show called? Uh, I don't know who, I think Wayne Brady hosts it now. It's where people dress up, and then they say, you could pick between this little box or this gigantic box. Not pressure luck. I mean, that's obviously the best game show, or Jokers, like, those ones. But uh, I don't know what it's called, but it has a famous name, and, and it's like a, it's like we, we, a different ver- – it was on like uh, – it was uh, it got reinvented a few times. I mean, remember when you were sick from school when they finally invented that game show channel, which I don't think exists anymore. But so they watched this episode of uh, Shaker Coconuts, and it was really, really uh, entertaining for them. Uh, until the game – until the, and even the um, talent show portion lost them because uh, it was just hard with the person with the violin – it wasn't sounding very good. So that's when the owl tapped its beak and, and up to the channel. And this one was an old movie. Oh, so famous that it fell out. You know, that it's not available anymore except on, you know, digital channel 36-7. from This was, in, I think, maybe out of Toronto or Winnipeg or something. So, like, U.S., it's hard to track this one down. Uh, and also, it's like a, a little bit of a, um, uh, what do you call that, uh, imitation of a famous couple of Pixar movies. Uh, actually, like, uh, and it's called uh, Martian, M-O-N-S-T-R-S. It's, uh, and it was about uh, two characters like uh, Sully... Was it Sully Mike? Uh, who's the dude with one eye? Uh, who's it? It's Mike Sullivan, so it's not Sully and Mike. Uh, I'll think of it. Oh, uh, Krasowski, Mike Krasowski, Mike Sullivan. Uh, so, uh, but I think it is Sully and Mike. Maybe it is Mike Krasowski. Uh, but these characters uh, were very similar, but they were from another world. So it was very similar in a plot of that movie, uh, but it was actually maybe not because it was they did maybe it was a new new nouveau black and white movie. Hopefully, it'll be on Mystery Science Theater. If I don't know if you've seen the Gauntlet yet, but do yourself a favor and watch the new season. Really, a bunch of here you know heroes and heroines on that show to me. Yeah, but so they did a movie. They were watching the movie, and it was a bit like Mystery Science Theater, but with a, a real owl and a real bunny. I guess that were sentient also, which, I mean, I guess it's a bit like Mystery, but they were real. And they were watching this movie, and again, it was, a, it was instead of it being uh, two, world, two parallel worlds, this was they came from outer space uh, to Earth. Maybe it was the origin. I guess it was the origin story. And then they found a ripple in time. I think it might have had wrinkle in time elements to it. Uh, maybe they went through a wardrobe. Uh, but very quickly, uh, they changed the channel on that one because they said, what is this? And one was furry. 
and uh, I don't know, it just didn't catch, it wasn't the kind of TV that an owl and a, I think because they like the more human stuff, because that's what their gig is, uh, they like watching humans, because uh, we're dopey. And boy, did they get it on the next one, because the next one was uh, like the logging channel. Again, coming across the border from a great, you know, great country with maple leaf and a handsome prime minister who's name, you know, who also reminds me, makes me want to read Doonesbury. I say, let me get, give me some Doonesbury. Holy, give me a Doonesbury and, uh, you know, you know, and then a, a prom picture of Justin uh, looking sharp. But so they, this was, this was, this show was called Timber. It was hosted by a character, Jerry the Mule, uh, but it was really just a logging competition. It was on the logging competition, and this was like a timber show, which actually was interesting because it was like uh, who could get their timber to carry further uh, was part of the show. So they would say, you know, timber and uh I don't know, this just changed the subject because the show is really like it said, okay, you want me to watch 22 minutes of people yelling? And they said, no, no, this is a uh, state-sponsored channel, so it's 30 minutes. I said, I'd I'd prefer 30 minutes of yodeling if you have it. Uh, But so I used to, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before. This is a big part of my childhood, and I'm not trying to claim anything, but I'm about a 1,000% sure if I if I didn't invent this, one of my siblings did, but I'm pretty sure I did. And we used to, or maybe it's a universal child's game. It's called Chop Chop Timber. And anyone could play it, though if you're an adult, uh, you know, make sure to supervise your area first. You do it in your bed, or you could do it on the side of a pool. But usually we only did it in bed because it was uh, probably when my parents we were supposed to be asleep. Uh, but what you do is you stand at the head or the foot of your bed. Make sure you're tall, you know, you're short enough that your bed is longer than you are. And ideally, if you could perch on a headboard or footboard, not that kids should do that because you shouldn't. And then what you do is you take your hand flat, and you you go into your belly or your middle, and you say chop, 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 a uh, uh, timber, and then you do kind of like a version of a trust fall into your bed. And you could chop your siblings, and this is a more, actually a, always was a gentle, fun game. And that's all you do over and over again for our chop, chop. Usually we just do chop, chop, timber. That's what we called it. And I think because these two, uh, maybe they lived in my world, they started playing it with one another. And unfortunately, if this was on YouTube, I'd be a billionaire because it was the cutest thing you ever saw. A bunny and an owl playing Chop Chop Timber, a game maybe I invented uh, on a couch, uh, holding mackerel. And they were playing with one another. And this owl was so beautiful. Holy, like it's snowy, but gray, with uh, uh, like these ebony flecks. Uh, beautiful, beautiful owl. And this cute, cute bunny, which was kind of the reverse pattern of the uh, owl, uh, plant man, and these floppy ears, uh, such a cute beak. They're also here while I'm recording, listening to me. That's also why I'm complimenting them so much. Then there was a show, and it was a mass show, because they, maybe they got to one of the public stations. Uh, and the show started off a bit like it was a contact, which I'll talk about uh 
but the kids could go five, fifty, five, uh, and it was a show about loving math. Uh, now, contact was the reason, was the answer, was the moment everything happens. That was a science show. It, this was a math show, and then to, to actually, it was like a. Uh, uh, I think it was hosted by the great Allie Ward, but even though she's into science, uh, maybe like uh, in uh, it was like kids doing stuff with math, and it kind of blew the the uh, bunny and the owl's mind. Uh, uh, but they were more surprised at the kids' reactions when they said math could do that. Uh, I don't know. During that during this part of the story, I tuned out because I'm. Uh, I have my own mass issues. But my favorite part of that show was when the kids all said, five, fifty, five, what a moment. Then they got to a channel. They didn't know it was not a show. It was an infomercial about a, 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 like an automated pigtail maker. And it was called The Pigtail's Pigtail. And what was cute about it was it was it looked like a pig's tail in the holder. It came with a piggy bank. Uh, holder for this corkscrew thing so you'd stick it in the pig when you were done and actually they even had a thing where the pig goes googly googly goo uh and i think it was you know just a little bit unfocused as far as the item probably just good around the holidays i don't know if anybody likes the idea of like that it's a pigtail i think that's probably fallen out of favor so if the piggy bank was full money or something the kids would be happy but, yeah, it was an ad for that. Uh, but they kind of more saw it as this uh, ritual where everybody was doing one another's hair. And they would laugh at the, when the pig went googly, googly, goo. Uh, and they were also a little bit perplexed because they're only a bunny and an owl. They didn't realize that it was like an electronics thing. They knew the pig wasn't real. Uh, but it was cool because it was like, you know, do your friends. Start your own hair salon. Uh and, you know, the bunny was actually stroking the bunny's ears. And then uh, also the bunny would every, every once in a while, like, to, to make a point, like, flop its ears over on the, uh, but it was like, huh, I wonder what that would feel like, this corkscrew around my giant floppy ears that are so cute. Uh, so that was quite a moment. Uh, uh, then they went to another channel, which was another kind of, uh, this was a serial, a bit like Buck Rogers, I think from the 50s. I think this was like one of these high number digital dash channels. So like 55-24 or something. And these are the channels where the real miracles happen. And this one was a serial show that went on, I think it was in the 30s or the 40s or the 50s or the 20s, uh, and it was a, it had like a bunch of episodes. They were short. I think they were part of like newsreels or some other thing and they were repurposed. Uh, so they were only four minute serial episodes, uh, of uh, this adventure, uh, with Celia Argenbach. Uh, she was a, she was a female astronaut, uh, along with Lars Niner. And, uh, again, it, like, uh, they had uh, made. They had only made it halfway to the moon. That was a serial thing, and they had discovered. So maybe it was before we got to the moon. They had discovered that between the Earth and the moon, it was a whole world of adventures. Uh, you know, why, like even trying to get halfway to the moon. 
Uh, but of course, the series started with them stuck. You know, they were on a trip to the moon. You think, I guess it was a joint United States to Sweden thing. And uh, they got stuck halfway to the moon and then they lost contact uh, with Houston or whatever. Or, uh, I don't know, whatever, beautiful, healthy city, Stockholm or something. And uh, they said, we cannot read it. We're halfway to the moon. Uh, that was it. And uh, they uh, had, it was every every week uh, or every whenever it came out. With this one, since it was 22 minutes, you got to watch like six episodes. You know, so they met like the star people and uh, they said, you got to help us get to the moon. And then uh, I think it was what was interesting is that really they had to get back. They did have a refueling thing at the moon, which was why they had to get to the moon. To re- but then it was always like, do you want to go back? But then, of course, they uncover a whole conspiracy. I guess it was like a lot like Buck Rogers uh, or Fat Flash Gordon, where they realize there's a whole hierarchical world out there of human-like beings that aren't human like in, I think in a future season they go inside the moon, because uh, the dark side of the moon to try to get out to the light side of the moon where their stuff is. Uh, so they realize those people it could bounce around. Every episode was like a total cliffhanger, it, and it was actually advanced. Like I don't know if they knew about dark matter at the time. There was the quarks, uh, which were actually like a musical, like a like a. a a culture of space beings uh, that were musical, like a rock band. And so they only did that. So that was Halfway to the Moon. Really great show if you could catch it anywhere. Uh, and there was this comedy show called Reba, which was, you know, everybody knows that show. But it was a great, like it was a, like a show based on Reba. I mean, what else do you say? It was a variety, Reba's variety show. Uh, it might have been known as uh, now somehow like it got produced by CBC, and uh, we were we in the U.S. were deprived of ever seeing any episodes of Reba. Uh, but it had you know Reba singing, Reba doing comedy. Holy cow! Dramatic readings, uh, guest stars, uh, like huge celebrities. I'm not even so fa- so many famous people are obviously Reba fans. Also, I'm talking about Reba McIntyre, just in case anybody's like, uh, you mean Reba from, you know, next door? She's got a shot. No, no, no. Reba McIntyre. Just Reba, though, is fine with me. Uh, Like, touring around, uh, helping people. That's always the best part. Each episode had its own arc. Uh, So a bit like, uh, what was that? Uh, Like, with a hee-haw type of Muppet. Muppets were guests on Reba. And, you know, they're singing new songs together. Reba would cover songs, even pop songs. Uh, call, you, if you haven't heard Reba sing Call Me Maybe uh, with Carly Rae, then you haven't lived, uh, unless it's a Megan Trainor song. And they, they, the three of them sang that together. And it was a comedy sequence. Uh, so it was also a skit uh, where they were singing the song straightforward. Uh, and it was based on that people don't know what telephones are. It was, oh, this is, you know, I could look in the bunny in the, um, who was the other one? No, I'm just kidding. I, I know you're both watching me record. 
Must be like a TV show to you too. Oh, you're sleeping now. So that was a great one. It, then again, there's a lot of sci-fi on these higher digital channels. Uh, uh, this one was called Moon Age Daydream, uh, which was, I guess, pretty much like Sleep With Me, but if it took place on like uh, on the moon. And this one was the very 70s, so holy cow, or 60s, I don't even know, Psychedelic City. Uh, because they'd say, you're going to have a, that was the thing, they'd say, you're going to have a Moon Age Daydream, man. And uh, it was like, uh, if, uh, what was that show called, like Time Quake or uh, Quicksilver, where you travel in time, uh, Quantum Leap was one of them. Halfway to an Angel, I think it was another one called, like, uh, this was the 60s, 70s version of it, uh, where the Moon Age Daydream, and again, I don't really like these musical numbers, but this was another musical-based show where you'd have a Moon Age Daydream, and there was talking moons. I don't know if it was the Puffin stuff person, whoever does that kind of stuff, but it was a bit like that. And... Funny, but not so. This one, if you this again, if this was on YouTube, also I'd be a star. Uh, or I guess the bunny and the because that bunny and the owl they found it hysterical, you know, because people would be climbing into the mouth of the moon, then they'd be floating in rainbows, uh, then they'd ride a unicorn, and they'd be like, Oh, why was it so grouchy when I like? And then they'd learn it to bring their grandmother soup. That was like the thing they needed to learn how to do. Like, I don't realize, I didn't realize how selfish I could be. Uh, then it was an educational show, Walls of the Cave, Walls of the Cave which was basically uh, uh, really great stuff. I mean, this is a show I could watch. Because uh, you say, well, how many episodes will you do? Cave paintings? No, no, cave, you do, in any caves, they go in and they talk about the walls. But that's just the conceit. I mean, they would talk about where the caves were how to visit the caves, if the caves, you know, what, what the geology, the natural history, the answer, you know, the answer, like, uh, like not just the cave paintings, but what else? Uh, they also had present day things. Could we live in a cave right now? They covered everything. They would even have, you know, cave based. Uh, it was just a great, great show. Uh, Walls of the Cave. Uh, should win awards uh, uh, and definitely had to be a visual show. I'd say, well, could there be a Walls of a Cave podcast? Probably not because, you I mean, you say you haven't seen stalactites and stalagmites until uh, you've seen the ones that grow out of the walls. And walls, in quotes, of course, it covers the ceilings and the floors. Uh, then there was another infomercial about a tweezer, and this was tweezer, the only tweezer you'll ever, the last tweezer you'll ever buy. Uh, and here's the thing, uh, is because it comes with something to wear it around your neck. Uh, it's a tweezer. It's a pendant. Tweezer. The only tweezer you'll ever buy. And I wanted to say, look what's in the freezer, Uncle Ebenezer. But, uh, uh, and if you had a tweezer in the fridge, it would be cold or the freezer. Uh, but, uh, you just kind of like, uh. I mean, they did, and, they, and then, of course, you, they would try to upsell you. They'd say, the sparkling, tweezer, sparkling edition, tweezer in ruby colors, uh, you know, just nineteen ninety five plus shipping, uh, like, for, for the silver tweezer. But a good idea. I just don't know that, uh, like, uh, if you're not in a business involving tweezing, 
I think a tweezer's a once a quarter thing. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, you'd say, like, uh, well, holy cow, where's my tweezer? You say, probably in a drawer in the bathroom or in your travel kit or at the store because you got to go buy another one. And then they'd say, but it was a, like a little bit of a, a thing. Uh, like, it was funny just because they'd say, where's my tweezer? Uh, that was the one of the line, and they'd say tweezer, tweezer, tweezer. Uh, then there was a show called Seven Below, which was a team, believe it or not. It was a, like, again, this was a Canadian show and it was about a, a team of, uh, like elite, uh, um, uh, snow fort builders, uh, a bit like the great, you know, great baking shows or the great Christmas, you know, all these shows that have to make everything a competition. What's that show with the, with the British dudes in the cars and stuff? A bit like that, too. Because it started, I think, again, the conceit was like, who's going to build the best snow for it? And then have teams. Uh, but then it was like, you know, who? Could, what's the best way? What's that show? Myth, a, bit, a bit of myth, If they could get a, a Mythbusters team out there. Or X Factor was that? What, no, that wasn't the show. But uh, Top Top Gear. But this was all in the snow and in Canada in the cold. Uh, so snowblow. He'd say, "Let's supersize a snowblower," and they'd say, "You know, make it seven below." And they'd say, "Actually, here in uh, you know Northern Thunder Bay, it's always seven below." That would be and actually like they had a good great Paul Schaefer cameo on there. So this is just another one. Uh, then they had a show, Billy Breathes. That was a show for uh, pre-toddlers or something. Last show I saw, like, a, a bit like Teletubbies, uh, uh, but a lot of it just, uh, like, of, uh, kid, kids just breathing and, and looking at things floating around with simple music. I think just to get your kid, you know, they say, hey, are you crying? Let's watch Billy Breathes uh, uh, and sing softly. Uh, then there was a great, uh, the, one of the great, uh, most famous Canadian soap operas you've never seen again, because they won't give the rights up, uh, based on Hollywood. So a Canadian interpret soap opera interpretation of Hollywood called Sparkle and oh boy, they, they do it. Did they nail it? Uh, really good, uh. We just picture the best soap opera in melodrama you've ever seen. And they then add an A to the end of it, uh, but put it in Hollywood. Really, really good show. Uh, and a bit more, because it was uh, like uh, made in this era, I don't know, it was somewhere between your regular daytime soaps and a mel- like, uh, like, uh, like a more modern, uh, you know, uh, cable soap. Or even a Darren Star show, you know, a show maybe. So that was a good one. Uh, then a show about positivity uh, called Everything's Right. Uh, and that's actually a United States show, believe it or not. Uh, I think it's only, you know, of course it's out there in the digital spectrum. Uh, but it's uh, about a couple of people, uh, younger people. And they tour the country finding stuff that people are doing right. And they say everything's right. Uh, it's all about esteem building, positivity, catching people doing things right. Is, is that simple? They'd like show up at kids. They'd be like, 
where we've been told Bernice uh, has been buying uh, lunches uh, for her classmates. Uh, we're going to surprise Bernice and catch her doing something right. Yeah, so everything right, really just a classic, classic show. I mean, uh, then they had the traffic light show, which was a show uh, about, uh, like, uh, for for kind of toddlers, a body awareness, a steam building motion show, where you basically play games like Mother May I. Simon says, with the TV, uh, you know, or green light, yeah, green light, red light, uh, even hide and seek, which was kind of uh, like a, a, a pretend play, but it was fun watching um, the bunny and the owl do that. Uh, and uh, yeah, combined with everything's right, and then this show, really good way for parents to watch TV with their kids, uh, with their toddlers. Watch all these everything right, catching people doing positive things. And then uh, the traffic light show. Then there was, uh, you know, the Canadian Ellen. I'm sure you've heard of Susie Greenberg, a uh, uh, beloved Canadian star. Uh, and she kind of took the genre like Ellen's show and then made it, combined it with the judge-type shows uh, and then took the Canadian positivity and mixed it in. So it's like a, a show with celebrities or people pitching projects or other famous guests, uh, and then two people having a disagreement, and uh, Susie and the guests all help resolve things. Uh, and, you know, talk about, geez, what happened on the set? Uh, or here's here's something to jump out of a box, you know. So really classic, classic show. Everybody's heard of Susie Greenberg. Then uh, a cooking show, which just happened to be strange. I think it might have been on the same channel, Coconut uh and uh, it's just a show with, uh, I think it's by the co- coconut oil or whatever lobby, was using coconuts for different things. Maybe they sponsor both those shows. But, you know, a co- coconut cream cake or, uh, you know, co- you know, all sorts of different uh, dishes with coconuts. Uh, it's done different exotic locales. Uh, so they have a travel segment. And I think they probably have a teaser from Shake Your Coconuts. Uh, uh, so that was another show. Like, uh, I don't know. They, those two really enjoyed it. I think their mouths were watering. I don't think either one of them can eat coconuts either. Uh, then there's a back again. This is they were watching it a lot of the TV during the day or late at night. Uh, but this is another one called The Mango Song. Uh, and that's again like a, a kid's show about uh, the mango, you know, the mango song. You sing along, you feel so good. Deep down, you're strong. Uh, like, uh, and, you know, they, they also, they, it's like a, it's one of those shows that really has gotten, you know, some of a rap for pushing the limit because it talks about hard things for kids. Empowering your parents to talk to their kids about it and has songs about it. Uh, so you read the lyrics to Mango Song, you say, Whoa, it's about uh, you know, so other stuff. And you say, Oh, okay. Well, I, now I have the ability or at least a moment to share with my child and say, Hey, I talked about this. Uh, even simple stuff like finances, anything a kid would, uh, the Mango Song has a song about it in a segment. You say, Well, why? Uh, you know, what, what's gasoline? What's climate change? You know, and they say, well, uh, you know, I think they even did one. My friend said the earth's flat. Uh, 
and I, what was the name of the song I did from that? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, but it was just a really enjoyable song, show, show. Uh, and then the, the Canadian, uh, famous Canadian news program, now getting consumed more and more in the U.S., Good Times, Bad Times, uh, where uh, they report the good news first, uh, then the not-so-great, then just regular news. Uh, uh, but really it's called Good Times, Bad Times, More Good Times, uh, but they just call it Good Times, Bad Times. Because uh, then they report even more good news after that. Uh, and, and then they report empowering, like self-care. You know, you know where the self-care movement started? Good times. Uh, and usually you do, you like, uh, they, they do shout-outs to the good times TV shows. They have, like, every show has a random dance party. You think, we say, this is a new show. Yeah, at some point during the 30-minute the broadcast, uh, and they have in-studio musical guests, uh, disco balls. Yeah, it's a classic. Good times, uh, good times, good times. Basically, uh, and yeah, that's like a, you. Could, that's like actually one of the shows I like to sleep to. I get in bed with my bunny, Mal perched above me. Well, and then they go and do stuff, and I I, I go off and I get in bed and I go to sleep. Uh, good nights.